0: Enthusiasm with multi-tonal voice. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Right, well, we're pretty much ready to go. So, aren't we? Quickly, are introducer. Mm.
0: Hello. We are. We are joined here today by Paul Brand, the one and only. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are we? It's our first day with the microphone on. With the, not with the microphone.
1: <laughs> <on>. <laughs> with. With the camera on I'm not sure I'm used to Working with amateurs
0: (laughs) 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 It's that uh, Rustic feel That lends it Lends it such charm Hmm. With the camera on Hmm. Do do you It does feel a bit I think
1: I feel way more conscious I feel way more (laughs) conscious With the camera Considering with the last podcast I'm literally just like Yeah We're
0: like lounging on beds And
2: yeah. Well, I noticed Edan's the only one who's prepared for this because the beard's nicely trimmed, the hair's oh. looking good. I did that for you, Paul. Ah, did I? you? You're a, fi- <laughs> you're a fine man. Yeah. Thank you. Just- Whereas well, Kirk and I are post wings and ribeye. Yeah,
1: we've had a bit of a, <laughs>
2: a, bit of
0: in a meat
1: coma. So ex- explain your morning. This today's Is it it's a bit of abnormality or is it something that you're trying to get completely new into this
0: not, this? not really. We were just hungry. And we didn't eat till 12 and went to the farm shop just came back and had steak and kidneys and uh, eggs and chicken wings and liver <laughs> <laughs> mushrooms yeah it was good wow uh, yeah it was good good times
2: <sighs> so Paul. Excuse, excuse me looking at my phone my daughter's got a sore throat this all right not for the know. first time this week just uh, anyway
0: but um yeah i think we should carry on with the camera though cuz i think i think it's a good thing to get used to just being comfortable having a camera on you and it not feeling weird Mm. but it might take a bit of getting used to i also feel a bit odd holding the mics
1: i mean you could hold it down here and not not like yeah Yeah,
2: otherwise the view of you is that yeah yeah. that's (laughs) that's that's, what you're doing and that isn't a good view is it (laughs) it? that doesn't look like you're holding a microphone (laughs) that looks like your favorite man friend pop round. (laughs) that's after (laughs) standing rather too close yeah
1: that's true (laughs) yeah just gotta just rest it on Paul, the good yes, of So Tell us about
0: setting up Brown and Brand. How did that all happen? Setting up Brown and Brand. Yeah.
1: Crikey. Where did the name did come from?
2: Well, my surname's Brand, and Trevor, my partner's oh. name was Brown. <laughs> well, that makes there sense. still is Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we tried not to call it Brown and Brand to be fair, and we tried very hard. We came up with all sorts of names. We had Essex Estates, and oh God knows, I can't remember all the others. But we had, we didn't want our names on it because. When you're starting out a business, you kind of think to yourself, "Well, if it all goes wrong, you don't really want your name above the door, do you?" <laughs> <laughs> and as much as I'm an extremely positive thinker, um, there was an, an element that it could go wrong. So we always kept a thousand pound in a separate account, which was about a quarter of all the money that we had at the time, but we said if it goes wrong, that'll buy us two tickets out to America. (laughs) And um, (laughs) we'll go and hide. (laughs) (laughs) The two failures will go and hide in America and just do bar work or something and just see what happens out there. But we thought we'd give it a go. We quite like the sound of America. So part of going into it was, it's okay if it fails, because we're going to go to the States and have have an adventure and a party out there. But in fact, it didn't fail. So... That was that. When,
1: when did you start Brown & Brown? 1983. Well, what is
2: Brown & Brand? You oh, you well, Brown & Brown's a property company uh, that is principally chartered surveying, uh, does management and lettings of properties, and sells houses as well. So an estate agency, but with a chartered surveying side. And Trevor was a chartered surveyor, or is a chartered surveyor. I say is because he would correct me on saying was. <laughs> 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 it's like when, when you call up somewhere and someone says, oh, and, and what was your name? And you say, what was my name? Well, what is my name? My name is... It's one of those. And I often say <laughs> it to people, what, mean, what was my name? I didn't have a previous name. Anyway, it makes sense a, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it's pernickety and annoying. But here we are. <laughs> so now we, we set out to um, just have a bit of a laugh, really, with the business. We were very young. I was only 22, 23. And Trevor's five years older than me. Um, and it kind of worked from day one, really, and did all right. Gave us, gave us a good living. Looked after us nicely. Got a bit cheesed off with it by about 1992 93 and left, and um it's gone on from there and morphed into pretty much a, a successful, quite decent sized business. Now, yeah, it does work.
1: Right. At what point, uh, after when you started, did you start seeing some real growth?
2: Um, well, pretty much straight away, really, because um, growth obviously is measured from initial point to this point, and we started with zero and within six months, I think, we had about 10 grand in the bank, which was quite a lot of money in 1983. And being the sensible businessmen we are, we took that 10,000 and invested it extremely wisely in our first Porsche. Um, Working a- Porsche company car. (laughs) working on the premise that if people saw you looking successful, they would want to use you. And also the fact that we kind of like Porsches, so we went out and got one. So we bought a little 924, GT turbo which was absolutely brilliant and we had so much fun with that little thing and yeah that was it really so we'd gone from having a mini with no seats to um, to having this Porsche turbo within six months which was just bizarre <laughs> and then I think it was about three years after that we bought between us a four or five bed detached house in Thorpe Bay in one of the avenues just down by the sea and just the world went really quickly it just grew and it was um it was bizarre really but it was the 80s maggie thatcher was encouraging it everything was set up for small businesses to succeed so it was all there for you if you if you bothered to have a go back in the 80s generally you'd probably do all right so
1: can you see that big contrast between the 80s and now if you wanted to start a property uh, property business
2: yeah yeah i think so i think if i was to start now it would be harder i think there's more competition um, there weren't many people out there doing it as everybody does it now, there isn't anyone I think running a business now with any success who isn't absolutely doing it properly and everyone knows how to not do it properly because they're all over the internet, aren't they? <laughs> now the, the, the amount of knowledge that's available to you, you can see what you should be doing, you can see what the competition are doing and you're thinking, crikey, well we're not doing what they're doing, we're not doing as well, so we need to step up. So you know what's out there, but at the time, all of the estate agents were really sleepy old companies that just didn't really crack on with the whole deal. And we did, we were young, energetic, we were out there, just smashed them all up really, went out there and did all the business and it was fantastic.
0: So you had fairly rapid growth at the start. Mm. Um, at what point, but then you experienced a property crash. Yes. At one point. Yes. What, 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 what year did that, that well, happen?
2: Well, most people felt the property crashing about '89,'90, but in fact, it started in 1988 on the 1st of August, when the government announced that they were um, stopping joint tax relief, which meant at the time, if you were a couple and you had a mortgage, you got tax relief on your mortgage payments. And both of you got it, husband and wife. So it actually saved you an awful lot off your mortgage. So you look at your mortgage payment, then you take your tax relief off and go, "Oh, that's quite affordable," which is why loads of people got married bought a house and it didn't cost them as much as it would today they could all afford to do it first of august they scrapped that and the market stopped dead we were on a cruise in um uh we were in caribbean on a big ship out there having a lovely time and we phoned back to the office to our staff which we had by them and said how's it going and they said we haven't sold anything for a month and we were like holy shit wow. and the market literally stopped dead and um it went from people buying flats for say, 50, 60, 70,000 pounds for a flat, and they'd have a 100% mortgage on that quite easily. Those flats suddenly became worth 15,000, 10,000, so fast. So, so the fast.
0: Government said you don't have to pay.
2: No, you don't get the benefit of the tax relief.
0: Yeah, so so they so you signed up they said you can have the tax relief. Mm. And then all of a sudden they said oh you yeah. no longer have the tax relief yeah. you now have to pay that tax.
2: Yeah, they took it away, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was a it was a big thing to people.
0: So how, yeah. How many people you're employing at this point?
2: Um I think at that point we probably already had three offices. I think at one point we had I think we had 30 people working, 25 30 people, I can't remember. It was um it was a bizarre time because not only were we working very hard but we were partying even harder <laughs> and we were single and life was good and Trevor and I liked a nightclub so quite often we'd finish work at 7, 8 o'clock, dive home, nice plate of egg and beans and then um, crash out for an hour, get up about 10 o'clock and head out to the bars and the nightclubs till Lord knows when. <laughs> happy, happy days. It was fantastic, yeah. yeah. Hmm but we had the money to do it. And um, it was the eighties and it was a yuppie time and it was, and there were Porsches on the driveway and mm. you know, we had-
1: The Scarface life. It was,
2: <laughs> we had a great time. We had a great time and we look back on it with um, a certain amount of embarrassment because it is looking back a bit a bit, cr- a bit, crass, isn't it? But we had a great time. We had a really good time.
0: What, what would you think is the uh, most, the hardest part about owning your own business? What's most challenging?
2: Um, the hardest part is staff, without any question of doubt. You're dealing with human beings that you employ who become dependent upon you for their existence. Um, and they're continuously pushing all the wrong buttons with you normally. Uh, And you're always the boss and they're always the employee and the two never mix really, so it is tricky. But it is staff. I mean, I've been very lucky myself because I've got fabulous staff. I've had people who've been with me for 33 years, um as others that have been there for 25, 26 years, it's not uncommon for them to have worked for me most of their working lives, which, one, is a great asset for me to have them, but, two, it's a great compliment, I think, that we've done something right in the way we employ people. It's been good.
0: Yeah. What's the the best part, then?
2: The best part of having your own business? Oh, freedom. Absolutely Mm. freedom. If you wake up that day and you don't fancy going to work, you're not getting in any trouble. You just say... Hi, I'm not coming in today. And uh, you build up to that point,
1: though. If I did that, I'm like, I'm just not making money today.
2: Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't come in the early days. Christ, I did seven days a week for 15 years. Wow. That's what we did. That's how we got it all going. You know, there were hardly any holidays. It was absolutely, yeah, full on. But it was full on socially as well. So we were exhausted. Hence, I had a breakdown in 1991. (laughs) (laughs) Having burnt the candle at both ends and in the middle. And then threw the candle in the bin. And
1: what's that story?
2: Um, Well, that's a story of um, stress and anxiety. We came into another recession in the early 90s that was really, really hard. And I had to let some staff go that I'd had for years and years and years. And I found that really difficult. That was uh, a horrible moment. But I was one of the early... Cases of people having um, stress attacks or panic attacks, anxiety attacks, whatever they want to call them now, and nobody knew what it was. I'd go and see the GP and say, "Look, sometimes I'm in the office and like the world just closes in on me, Um, and I feel so full of fear. My heart's racing about a thousand beats per minute. It feels like it. I'm hot. I'm sweating. My vision starts to go. My hands start to curl up. What's going on?" And my GP, (laughs) I remember he said to me. For God's sake, Mr. Brown, he said, you drive around in your lovely Porsche and you live in your beautiful house and you're coming to me telling me you've got problems. I don't think so. And that was the best I got from my GP.
1: I was very like, you know, the PTSD days uh, when they're just like, oh, just man up. Yeah. Like, come on, get on with it. It was. That's completely different.
2: It was. But fortunately, somebody, um, Kerry it was, I think she guided me into a clinic in Kent that existed. And I went down to the clinic and I checked myself in. Fortunately, I had some private health cover and they paid for it because it was loads of money. (laughs) And I sat down with a psychiatrist there in the first week who said, you're having panic attacks. And I went, me? I don't panic about anything. I'm the most laid-back person on the planet. He said, no, you are. He said, I'll prove it to you. I will induce a panic attack in you now. What? So I went, okay, which he did simply by making me hyperventilate. It brought on a panic attack. Um, he said, Okay, stay with me. Now I'll show you how to get rid of that panic attack, which he did through deep breathing and relaxation. Um, I learnt a lot of yoga things at the time, meditation, and other ways to actually just come down off the high of life, really, and just take some time out for yourself. And I learnt to control it that day. I never had another one after that because I learnt to control it.
0: So describe what it, what it feels like to have a panic attack.
2: It's probably the worst feeling in the world, I would imagine. It's like hearing the worst possible news. Um, An aeroplane you're sitting in is actually plunging towards the ground and you're about to die. It is a feeling of imminent death. There's no two ways about it. You are absolutely petrified, more than you can ever imagine that a human being could be petrified. You're in a state, but you're totally baffled because you could be sitting very quietly on your own reading a book in a beautiful place with no reason in the world to be having that panic attack and you'll have one and it just throws you into a complete state of confusion which makes it worse because the body's going, what the hell's going on and it's pumping more adrenaline in all the time, all the time and then the adrenaline eats up everything in your body and uh, that's when your hands start to close up because the calcium goes and, and it's awful, just a horrendous feeling. Yeah, interesting. No, mm. that's, that's
1: really interesting. I never I never knew about that, especially that, your aspect of it. It's just mm. like, you know, you hear it, you hear it now, it's becoming a bit more people more aware of it. There's a lot more anxiety, especially like, we're more aware of mental health issues. Mm. But like, that must have been a real situation, especially back then, where there wasn't a lot of emphasis on mental health issues. There wasn't, no. Yeah,
0: it seems like, yeah, with mental health issues, it's likely to be something we look back on in the future. Mm. Like we do with, uh, you know, how how medicine was slightly barbaric in the <laughs> yeah. just just yeah. cut just saw your arm off with no <laughs> anaesthetic, yeah. Yeah. and you know we look back how we treated people with mental illness and go, how did we do
2: that? Yeah. it was it was horrendous. And the worst thing, of course, is that quite often you can be having a panic attack and you, there's nothing outwardly showing, and people will be looking at you going, "Hello," and inside you are panicking to the to a, yeah. an extreme amount and it's not showing necessarily on the outside yeah it's tricky isn't it you can't see it it's hard to get things across to people isn't it my accountant my old accountant he always received, he said oh what about that time you had to leave the the meeting he said I laughed so hard because you was shaking and left the room he thought it was funny mm. people did and also people used to say well you having a panic attack but you're the most laid back confident person we know what, what's bothering you
0: yeah but people see it as a sort it of sign of weakness don't they
2: and a nowadays sort. when the footballers have the anxiety attacks and they're having uh, mental health problems the thing that they get thrown at them every time is what with all that money that you're earning and, yeah. you're, and you're feeling like that as if the two are attached people do that all mm. the time don't they there are very wealthy people that fall, top, jump off buildings aren't there and kill themselves and people go but he had all that money it's nothing yeah. to do yeah. it's with same, the money. it's the same, same with very depression as, 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 as
1: well because they say even like the happiest people in the world have can be severely depressed
0: yeah. Well, that's the, yeah so many rich and famous people have serious mental health yeah okay. disorders Ooh. and depression and, and all sorts it doesn't
1: Well, he doesn't actually make you happy, Mm. does it? So since the early 90s, when that kind of hit you, has there now, you know, in the later stages, now it's been more relaxed, the company's a lot more established, Mm. and have you you taken a step back from that kind of intense position? Yes. Yeah, very much so. I've taken a
2: big step back at the moment, because obviously we've bought this lovely bit of land and built this house, and life's changed immensely. I'm in a different place nowadays, and um, I'm able to. I've got some fantastic people that work for me, or work with me, because some of them have bought into the company now, so they own shares of it, which is great, Um, giving them a chance to have their own businesses as well. So, yeah, really, really lucky with it all at the moment. Thank you. Touch wood.
1: (laughs) There's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is a lot of wood, yeah. We're all right. No, that's really good. I think, like, especially now, we're here in another, I feel like we're here in another wave of entrepreneurship, Mm. A lot of friends of mine, a lot of people I know are very into. I'm gonna start my own thing, mm. and that's kind of what drove me to start my own business as well because mm. I wanted that freedom. And it was really not having your own legacy is the right word, but I kind of wanted to make myself money and not make someone else money. Mm. And By the time I'm 40, 50, or you know, later in my years, I could say, Well, I started that and that's my business mm. it's not like yeah I worked for this firm for the last 30 years and then they got bankrupt and then now I'm somewhere else yeah I kind of wanted to be like this is mine mm. so and, you know no matter where that goes yeah. I've got something for me yes indeed and, um, it's really inspiring to see people that you know from every generation has always had that kind of drive not that I'm kicking anyone down that, wants, that doesn't do that but um, that's just my own thing yeah I think Kirk you feel the same way if your. Your endeavours,
0: yeah, like you say, it's not. Yeah, I feel like it's nice to see lots of lots of people uh, in our generation trying that avenue. Well, I think what drove I,
2: you to want to have your own business then?
0: Uh, wanting autonomy, I suppose. I can't, just can't stand working for other people. No, it's just not. Just my personality doesn't like it. No. <laughs> <In> no. What's <laughs> it? It's
1: like creative directions or. Like, if, would you mean working with someone for someone else?
0: Um, I don't, yeah, I don't,
1: I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think that's all honest. it comes, yeah, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Yeah, but none of us
2: do, do we? We don't no. like being told what to do, but I don't think that's what you do as a boss with your staff. You don't go in there and tell them what no. to do. No. You have to make it a team, you have to make everybody feel like it's their business too. And that we're all pulling in the same direction. And that way, it, the teamwork comes through and you all do well. And everyone's happy. Mm. You've got to be happy in your job, haven't you? You've got to go in and yeah. enjoy it and look forward to it. God, true. People go to London every day on that train. And I've never...
1: So many miserable faces. Oh,
2: my sister's done it over 40 years. I, I just don't know how they can do that.
1: Mm. I, think I think... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go on. I'll say... Actually, look. <laughs> go on, go. <laughs> Edan, you have the floor. <laughs> I've got the, the talking... The talking, <laughs> the the talking, <laughs> talking stick <laughs> um, and now I've lost my train of thought now so please go <laughs> <laughs> well
0: handled lads uh, uh, yeah I think a lot of it I just like a challenge as well it's, it seems like a more, more difficult difficult road mm. it's slightly, there's more fear involved but I think it's good to do things you're afraid of I think they're generally the things you're most proud of when you look back and when you're scared or something you did it anyway
1: yeah risk taking is really important
0: but it's been it's been interesting so far grand native isn't it yeah well, Paul, it all sprang from uh your your initial your initial did idea it? in the caravan didn't <laughs> it
2: yeah i suppose it did you yeah, i never really thought of yeah. it be like that but yeah well that's it i think there's there is a demand out there for that sort of thing and you've got the ability and you're a grafter that's the thing you don't mind I was going to say getting into bed with someone who's a grafter, <laughs> but um, not the be- <laughs> not the best phrase I've ever used. But uh, no, you, it, because someone's prepared to work hard, you're prepared to support them. It's a little bit like the guys on Dragon's Den. They sum up the personalities of the people, don't they? And they can mm. see who are the... Uh, the ones that are going to have all the chat but actually they're never going to deliver anything and uh, they might even have a good business idea but they know the person's a waster so they don't get involved but from Kirk's perspective he is a grafter he worked really hard helping build a house and you, you've been an important and valuable member here no doubt about it you've been fantastic so yeah let's hope it works yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah no, for sure yeah.
1: it's just no. I'm still going back to that whole um, being self-employed thing um just a, I just think it's just a really good way of developing a lot of skills that typical education hasn't really taught us. Mm. Like my three years at university has not in one bit helped develop my career, nice. uh, which is kind of unfortunate considering like the 50, 60 grand that I now owe. Um, <laughs> but socially the people I've met, I think it's worth it. Like the people I've met, even like there's two or three close friends. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's worth 60 grand. Um, yeah. But no, it's, it's, I think... But maybe a, a
2: university degree is actually designed to get you a good job working for someone, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Isn't that where it matters? They Employers never, are looking for it. That's the thing. They never actually teach you how to start your own business, your own agency no. or, you know, I went to an arts university, so it was all about working with someone else's briefs or someone else's stuff. Hmm. And it's like, well, how, you know just typical life things it doesn't really teach you no. as well no i think formal education needs a lot to be desired but i don't yeah there
0: are a lot of good things i think it's a bit like school when you're younger though i think almost the most important thing about going to school is just learning those social skills isn't it just being yeah. around other kids and mm. it's almost i almost feel like actually what you learn in the classroom is sort yeah. of
2: you learn how to roll a joint, that. don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, to get, how to get punched in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah All those exactly. important life lessons. <laughs> yeah.
1: but I, I feel like I recognize that more now with people that, like, the. I think universities helped me develop a lot socially. Um, and I can, when I speak to some people that are older than me or are the same age, I just think, like, I can, I feel like they haven't developed something socially, mm. like the social interactions. Also, you,
0: yeah, you'll go to university and there'll be people from all different. Parts of the country and different, you know, yeah, different parts Water of the world,
2: life. and you will sort of, I think
0: it expands your horizons a little bit.
2: But you're the most sociable man on on the planet, aren't <laughs> you, Dan? You are. I can, the, have, I can have a chat. You're the biggest, happiest, chattiest, huggiest man I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you should have your own tv show as a result of that i think what would
1: that tv show be
2: um i think it would be called <laughs> hug time <laughs> oh my god <laughs> edan's hug time is that after, after 10 pm yeah. <laughs> <take>, <laughs> yeah. You,
0: yeah you could take over um james Corden's uh, carpool karaoke yeah you could have what it, it? edan's hug just 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 meeting celebrities <laughs> and just hugging
2: yeah, but you'd have to turn up in a really shit car, rather than the Range Rover E-Rocks. <laughs> no. Turn in a really, turn up in a really yeah. small, big, a uh, really small, <laughs> crappy car and just hug people. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> anyway, I'm not sure that's going to fly.
1: no that's a late night TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One AM with Edan's hug time.
0: You can see
2: the producers phoning all these people up saying, "Would you like to be on?" No, no, no. You <laughs> you don't, you don't. Don't. Have you seen it? Oh, you have okay. <laughs> There'll be a lot of contracts.
0: Yeah. What's going to be on this show? Uh, we'll, we're going to
2: hug them.
1: <laughs> how long's the hug? About Twenty minutes.
2: So, so just going back to the business thing. So, you set your business up. How long ago?
1: Just over a year ago. Was it? Oh, okay. So, yeah. how's the
2: first year gone?
1: The year was really good. I think is I went. I. Pretty much worked in-house with another digital marketing company. Well, yeah, you know, video production, but I worked with them, um, Gareth, for about a year, mm. just producing stuff for himself and for the company. Um, and I occupied like four days in the week um, with them, which gave me the flexibility of you know three days with other clients. Mm. But that really helped me to establish and build up the equipment I needed. Yeah. So I saved up that whole year, and that helped me for all the equipment that I have now.
2: Yeah, you got some nice stuff.
1: Yeah, it's just it's Hey, what it, about that drone that came up the other day? No, that was. Yeah, cool. that was seeing those kind of that kind of equipment is just absolutely insane. And what was that what was the value of that drone? The drone itself, so the kit, let's say just the camera, so it was a Red Monstro kit, so and with the Sigma Cine lenses. Just the camera kit would cost about 80,000 pound just the really? kit. The drone is about 25,000. It's about 100 grand in the air wow just like you like don't drop wow. it was
2: so cool though wasn't it I mean, it's amazing to see and, we, and it's, it's the talent of flying it
1: surely though as well isn't it you have to be a registered pilot before you actually um if you want to do any filming commercially mm. um, to make money you have to be caa certified mm. so you gotta go through a course you gotta pass it and then you can start flying and making money theoretically there's some people that don't do those that pathway, mm. um, that take that risk. But owning a business, I want to do everything without those. I don't want to get a phone call saying that footage. How did you get that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, oh, it was good, wasn't it? And he was he was good, wasn't he? He did a great job. Yeah. There was, the weather was perfect for it. Was it? The thing is, it's still he he just got the drone back. It was um he had to get some custom things made for it. Um, but he had had a lot of flying time since he got back. I think he hasn't flying for nearly a year. Wow um so that session the other day was really good for him to also kind of get back into it Mm. and i said to him like we need to start developing a way quicker faster set up times um you know by the time you guys went out uh and you came back we're like hey we're still halfway through this Mm. so that kind of momentum and uh setup is needs to be way more refined yeah especially if you're on location you've got like three hours you have to be in and in and gone I was very concerned though because people are flying
2: drones illegally obviously and they're, they're actually checking out your back gardens to see what yeah. you've got particularly out here where we're a little bit more rural um, they fly them over see see where the equipment is and then come back later on and get it and mm. the farmers around here have said that if they see a drone in the sky
1: they'll just shotgun it down so I mean I wouldn't assume that they have the large drones like you saw the other day No, like if you saw a massive camera rig yeah. they're not that's worth <laughs> more than an average car they're not going to shoot that down but the little ones yeah those are very (laughs) intrusive or they might do it's a bigger target I think they might (laughs) Um, but yeah it's a pet peeve of mine Mm. I think because I always try to play by the book by the rules in the book Um, and I know a few people that just do it anyway and I'm like come on you're like you're totally ruining it for other filmmakers that are doing it it, the the right way
2: I, I found in business it comes back round we've always done everything properly and um, sometimes you get a bit frustrated because you see other people having more success, possibly by not doing it properly. But that always tends to be short-lived. My experience is it does go full circle in the end and everybody gets their comeuppance one way or another and mm. that can be a good comeuppance. So just stick doing it with the book.
1: Yeah, especially when your name's in it. Like, I know when I really put footage out that I have full rights to use that. But, um, you know, there's some I see videos someone puts out uh, flying into central London I'm like there's no way you got licensing uh, to do that mm. like, there's only like three companies that are legally allowed to fly within London mm. drone mm. and like you sitting on your balcony in front of it, flying in this super congested area it's absolute red flags and you're a filmmaker that's wow. like oh what are you doing yeah you're asking for trouble really aren't you? yeah so that's something that's really the only pet peeve I have with filmmakers yeah. otherwise everyone is golden you know I just get the occasional email say can you do drone work here and it's like no absolutely not because I can't fly within that area so you know for this property it was complete green zone it's mm. like ah, we we, it's all private land there's not congested area mm. but there's some you know because we're getting into property videos um, there's some properties near the seafront and they're like oh can we do drone here it's like no mm. and sometimes people get deterred by that because there'll be another company they're like yeah we'll do it mm. and it's like well you legally can't mm. so Yeah, but that's a that's a problem in so many
2: businesses but you having your own business of course follows on from your father because he has his
1: own business doesn't he he's always wanted he's always run his own thing yeah he's always had that drive he's having that removals company for 20 years and now he's going to something else he's going to like private hire vehicles Mm -hmm. and uh he's tried to he did had a small stint working with the airport uh doing fuel fuel um filling for them right and that kind of made him realize how you know you think of the job security? You think, oh, it's gonna be great, mm. but if it's poorly run, it's like, oh, you can't do anything about it, mm. and that's what he likes—is that self-control. That if something's poorly run, you can control yeah. that variable. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it didn't it didn't last long. That no. job before he was like, I don't want to do my own thing.
2: Oh well, he's a good man. Unfortunately, he has slept with my son, which isn't so good. But... <laughs> explain <Fact>. that situation <laughs> in deep detail, please. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it was some night. Yeah, I don't think Jared's recovered yet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I'll explain that situation. <laughs> I'm happy to leave my son <laughs> hanging there. <with that> <laughs> so, on a, on a uh, my dad's been running a removal business for the last twenty years, and he gets occasional jobs that take him abroad, uh, working in you know France and, and Germany. And, and he likes
2: to take young boys with him. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so we had. A, I was quickly flying through <laughs> that, um, they had a job in Strasbourg, and Strasbourg. I've I no Stras, idea.
0: Strasbourg? Strasbourg. Yeah, on a, on a yeah, border
1: between France and Germany, yeah. and um, they needed there was supposed to be accommodation set was that correct mm. there was supposed to be accommodation paid by the client uh, on this removal job and it turns out they didn't do it so they had to book this like one bedroom small what was it, hotel I think it was
2: the client's was own the, hotel yeah, it was the
0: client's own hotel and he said, oh, we, we'll uh, when you get there, you can stay in our hotel. And they gave you and and one went, bed. Yeah, and he went, oh, we've only got one room, if that's okay. And, he was, and Jared went, oh, right, uh, there's two beds, though, right? And he was like, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just for clarification, my, my dad's a big guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so is my son. Yeah, he's yeah, six like foot six, four. Jar- Jared's taller than six four. Six six, six is. Yeah. I'm six six. Jared's okay. a big, big tall boy. Uh, so two guys in a small double bed. Made for. a <laughs> funnily yeah. enough, though, they've kept in touch, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, sending flowers. Yeah.
2: Oh, I wasn't going that far. They sent flowers, did they? No, no. <laughs> no. Um,
1: but yeah, that's just to to, cl- yeah. to clarify that situation. you will getting yeah. nervous, there, not you? <laughs> my, my dad to see this. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, those those trips are but all it's, good it's, fun.
2: It's um, that the entrepreneurialism tends to follow through families quite often. That's yeah. the point I was gonna make because your dad did. What did your granddad do?
1: My granddad, oh he's has a very my on my mum's side was very interesting. Actually both sides of my family. My granddad lived a very interesting life. He was big into property. Mum's dad? Yes. Right. Uh, my mum's dad. He he had a lot of luck during that time, seventies, eighties. Property was very cheap and mm. very lucrative. He knew a lot of good people. And where was he? Uh started out like in East London, then went to like Thorpe Bay South End. So, from my remembering, he it kind of started off he, he he bought a small property early when he was in like early 20s. Mm. It was on, but he basically bought butcher butcher shop and it had a flat above. So, he lived in a flat. And like weeks after, someone came in and said, Can we buy the butcher shop? And you can stay up to the top. So, he did that from then on I, I think I'm skipping a few years here but he bought the Coburn Lodge Hotel down Coburn Road mm. um, from then in, in like five, six years actually no I'm, I'm skipping a lot of information here because um, he had at that time by the time he bought the hotel he had maybe about 15 properties right wow uh, it's still undisclosed how many he has
2: right um, he's still alive yeah
1: yeah he's uh, and then and what's his name? Uh, I'll, I'll get to that after. <laughs> but he's a uh, no. He down down Coburn Road. There's a lot of people, elderly elderly people that were, um, you know, they had big properties. Mm-hmm. They had the whole big townhouses, and they wanted to live somewhere where they could be looked after. So they sold their properties to him. Right. And it came to a point in the late '90s after these all these years that he pretty much nearly owned one whole side of the road. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, and he uh, he's always been he hit he hit the good time the good luck yeah and he yeah. just had people that were like oh yeah can we oh can I sell you my flat and you can live mm. and we can live at your hotel yeah so he's like yeah and then he just had flats and flats and then he basically bought all these houses and convert them into flats yeah so he just had a whole row lovely so it was, yeah, did well. I was really you made a
2: comment there you you referred to the good times and it's a generational thing. I often hear people in your generation referring to, yeah, but you had the good times to me.
1: The, yeah. The
2: I, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I, I really concur with that because I think any time can be a good time. It's a good time now. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's
0: probably the best time in history to start your own business. Yeah.
1: I mean, like is in the, I think in the property market is what yeah, I'm referring to specific. the good times. Cause,
2: we did have a lot of boom. There's no doubt about it, but we also had a bust. And br- yeah. So you see, everybody got wiped out at the end of the yeah, 80s. it's the same business
0: long term. You've got, a,
2: you got yeah. a, all four seasons. I think we've done, what is it, two major recessions and one small recession, which is, is quite something. Everybody got wiped out in that first one. Everyone except my friend, Mike. But he, he happened to just get off the boat a minute before it all went wrong and mm. got back on the boat a minute after it all went right again. But <laughs> gee, he was a very smart guy, probably smarter than the rest of us. So. But, um, yeah, I don't think you should ever look back and say, yeah, but it was all right for you lot then. I know people in your generation. But you mentioned him earlier, the guy you did a lot of work for. He's, yeah. he's out there buying property. He's got a business. He's making a lot of money. He's doing very well. He's investing. It's available to everybody now.
1: Yeah, I think just—I think everyone has their generation where you've got, like, okay, what can you make with what you've got?
2: I'll tell you the difference would you be prepared now to open up an estate agency and work seven days a week working probably 12 hours a day at least every day there's not a lot of people out there prepared to do it we were hungrier than your generation is I think we didn't have any parental help our parents weren't well off enough to give us any money you left home as soon as you could I left home at 16 and you're on your own you stand on your own feet and it was different we were hungry far hungrier than your generation is because of our generation's success we've made it comfortable for you. Yes. All. And I think our generation, oddly, is almost
0: jealous of that. Yes. They sort of we, think we, our generation we're are like, we oh are. we've had it too easy. We, we have yeah, <laughs> heard that we, we that haven't got that yeah. Every, Everyone likes to make excuses, don't
2: they? That's it. But don't make excuses. There were people making money in the Great Recession's in the at the end of the mm. 1920s, early 30s. A lot. Of, in every recession or every difficult marketplace, there's always opportunity, and somebody yeah. will come and make good money out of it. But your generation is one where you've all sat around and talked about all the reasons why you're not successful.
1: Yeah, not doing anything. It's it's a lot. It's a very lazy generation, I think.
2: Uh, a friend of mine came around last night. He's got two sons now, both doing very well. They're 20, I think he said 26 and 24, something like that. Got great jobs. They're, but they're working so hard and they're saving all their money. They've bought property already. They're looking now to buy another property. And it's out there, but you've got to really absolutely go hammer and tongs at something to, mm. to do it. And I, I don't think the same
1: hunger is there. No, I think you're right. Unless you're taught by your family. I think if, I don't think, like you're saying, like entrepreneurship there are very
2: few sons of very wealthy people or successful people who go on to be more successful than their fathers hmm. and that's because they just don't need to, so the yeah. natural hunger isn't in there for the likes of us if we didn't go to work and earn money we didn't eat, hmm. it was as simple as that, we had to the only way you were ever going to get a decent car or something was to have your own business so you had to do it, and you had to work really, really hard to be successful. But we were desperate. I mean, we've, uh, Trevor and I lived on baked beans for about two years. I said it started off really well. We bought a yeah. shafts, We did, but along that way, there were some months when it was very lean, and we didn't have that much income at all. But the first thing you do is you pay your staff. You pay your rent, yeah. and you pay your light and your heat, and the last thing you do is you pay yourself. And if there's nothing left at the end of the month, there's nothing left. And you go on the baked beans again for a month. But we used to do that and we survived. We used to work out the nights you could go to the nightclubs and the bars where well had half priced drinks or it was free admission. And we'd get there at some sit we'd be the first people in Tots down at South End. <laughs> yeah, this is this, this is when South End was nothing. actually good. Yeah.
0: People <laughs> used to go, come travel um, from London
1: to go out for an night in South End. I saw my grand yeah, my mm. granddad's I hotel. Did. A lot of people from London came.
2: Mm-hmm. Loads of people used to go to Canvey Island to the Goldmine, which was a nightclub over on Canvey Island. It was one of the early discos in the seventies, and that would just be mobbed on Canvey Island. I can't imagine you with the red headbands, you know, the whole grease lightning look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were out there. Yeah, we were doing it. No, we didn't do it. We didn't hit the dance floor much. Far too busy.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: just think this generation is really interesting. I think everyone goes through that. We just keep repeating ourselves. But go back to that whole, like, the whole finding the opportunity, taking it where you can, I did some work for this gentleman that owns NCP parking, uh, and he took the opportunity that when, you know, the London bombings and everything, all the, prop- all the buildings that collapsed, he bought those land, that land, and he knew that cars were going to be a big thing. So he converted all those spaces into car parks. And just all over the country did that. Brilliant. I was like, man, what a great yeah. forward yeah. thinking. Yeah, like, you yeah, can brilliant. see something's going to develop, and it's taking that opportunity. Like, when you see something, like, this market's going to go this way, mm. or, you know, just but just leaving it too late. I
2: cool. think I, I, see a, I see a lot of you with a lot of talent with your businesses now. Um, I mean, what you do, Idan, is fantastic. And the no, videos you. you've produced for us, people who are attached to that industry have looked at those and gone... Mm. Wow, that's a really high quality bit of footage. And they are fantastic, aren't they? Apart yeah. from the presenter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll teapot man as he's become known. Yeah. <laughs> Short and stout. Here in Paglesham. <laughs> <laughs> Puncing up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it was good. <laughs> It was good. It was really, really good. I think it was you, did, o- you all did it was a great okay job for a
0: first attempt. Oh,
2: well. <laughs> but you can't just have the ability to do the job. You need the business, and to mm. go out and get the business is the bit. And you're saying that you want to do, uh, you want to get into properties and that sort of stuff. When, not when people are out, but you want to get into property. <laughs> <and do it>. <laughs> <laughs> just running through the drawers. <laughs> you often get stuck in the window. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> Um, how, many, how many estate agents have you actually gone and sat down
1: in their office and said this is what I do well I've reached out to a couple of people and the most common thing is show us what you've got and because I haven't had extensive show show reel all I can do is create one for now mm. so that's why I've been taking the opportunity with yourself no. to, to film this property that's no, fair comment um, and I've got a few other big properties that are waiting for that right because before they can trust you with you know, coming into their home, even people that I know, they're like, look, this is a nice place. Make mm. it look good. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I need to present. Okay. Um, but then
2: you need to get into the high-end estate agents that deal with the big properties. And that's, that's, where, that's where it really shows it off. You're not going to have a drone flying over a, um, a two-bed flat in Westcliff, are you? No. Re- with I've respect
1: to everybody with a two-bed flat in Westcliff, But it's not going to happen, is it? I mean, I've been working with Heronson for a little while now. I film predominantly their uh, promotional content and uh, auctions and like their properties that they sell are not are not mm. you know the super high-end and that's what I want to get into is the properties that have been on the market a little too long mm-hmm. you know multi-million and they need to sell mm. you know without cutting the prices down and um, that's kind of what I want to get yeah especially with the with the level of equipment I use and hopefully the talent that I can offer mm. um, that's something that I, I want to pursue mm. it's trying well, to get def- the big you've the big definitely guys. got the
2: talent absolutely
1: you're brilliant what you're doing yeah. thank you it's, it's it's all learning every time I'm doing new work it's some picking something else up yeah you know it's I think it's just try to get a little bit more creative a lesson that I've learned this week um, while editing another job is when you think you've got enough you probably don't have enough yeah as much as I know what I want, um, there's always could be that extra little shot. Mm. Um, sounds, like you're, client...
2: sounds like you're in a bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's because when I've got, I've got a client that we've been filming for and they're very, um, like they, they they don't really know what they want mm. and you film and they love it and then you get an email like a week later, I hey, do you happen to have a shot of this. And it's like, well, you didn't disclose that you wanted that. But I don't want to be I'm not argumentative i always if someone wants something I'll do my mm. best to try fig, to find a solution um, but physically I don't have that shot no but once you've got this video
2: then this uh, example video which you did here I think didn't yes. you yes yeah. then obviously you can take that around and show people and, and get the business 100% That's do you, what was... do you think you're a salesman do you I, think you're the person to go into those offices and see if you can get the business
1: I'm not so oh, what's the word I'm not as ruthless as I'd want to be mm. I'm I'm way too friendly, and because of that, I think, uh, like, typically, that could be a weakness. Because I've met some people that are so just like, just so cutthroat, yeah. and it's hard to communicate through that, that barrier. Yeah. So some, I do, I would like to get someone involved that can well, be the like most,
2: this. Is this. The, the most successful businessmen realize very early on what they're crap at, mm. and they get good people in to do their crap, and that's how you do it. And yeah. I've always surrounded myself with organizers because I'm brilliant at getting business in. I can do the sale, I can put the deal together and then all the rest of it, I just want to throw it at someone and let them do all the crap. Yeah. And I've always had those people around me to do that bit efficiently because I'd get bored with that bit and move on to the next sale. And the next sale, I just like doing the deal. So yeah. you've got to understand what you're good at, where's your forte and make sure you've got good people around you to do the other side. And then suddenly you'll be successful because it, you're then freed up to do what you're good at. Mm. Spend all your time doing what you're good at, which is your filming and your editing, and let someone else
1: go out and do the other side for you. That's ideally what I want to get. I'm at that point now where I'm I'm getting quite busy. And I'm actually uh, pitching for a job here. Oh no, no, obviously. No. <laughs> 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 no, yeah. No, I'd, lo- I'd love to get you involved, Paul. Honestly.
2: There you go. I'm, I'm in. I've got another job. I'll get you, yeah, you the T-shirt. <laughs> How many days are there in a the week? <laughs>
1: squeeze it in somewhere no that would be fantastic I'm at that point now and I feel like I've been moaning to a few people saying I'm too busy now Um, because I've always I worked when I worked at the studio abroad they always worked on really tight deadlines Mm. they've always been like projects done within a week and I was like wow that's amazing huge commercials for pre-production production production, because they've got like their black book of people that they know they're quick and I was like that's what I want to produce I want to produce like great content affordable And fast turnaround yeah and I've had a realization where I had this client and they're they're lovely they didn't didn't mind but it was just my own personal this job took a bit too long to complete Mm. and I felt bad about it because I'm like well that's my whole ethos is I wanted to make something fast turnaround Mm. but because I've had so many jobs things get backlogged and I'm like cuz I'm so what's your goal is
2: is your goal the freedom of having your own business is it money do you want to be rich is it success because you can be successful working in the media that you're in, and that would be enough for you? Because you gotta look, because if money is an important ingredient, which don't be embarrassed, because money is an important ingredient to a lot of people, but that's one of the main reasons they go into their own business, mm. because they think they'll make more money. There's no cap on it, is there? If you haven't got a salary, you haven't got a cap.
1: Yeah. Well, no, so my, it's a slight com- it's a combination of everything. I, wanted to, I just want to create a successful business regardless of what the money makes from that. So I wanted to make sure I can afford the equipment I need. Mm. So I've got majority of the stuff I want. There's only a couple of little bits that I need. Apart from that, it's all going to be profit. Mm. Um, I just want to create something with a good foundation and a good business. Mm. So whether that's like you know, three to five people, I'll be happy with that. Or, you know, on the other end, Gareth's already nearly hitting 30 staff members, Mm. you know, in the case of two, three years. Mm. Whereas that is way more scalable than what I'm doing. Um, I've got connections as like, uh, you know, I've got freelancers that I get involved when I need to, Mm. uh, which is quite nice because I don't want to have to deal with hiring too many staff at this point. No.
0: Yeah, I feel like your profession lends to, you don't necessarily... No. Necessarily need to. Buy I don't, lots of I don't people. need to have so many freelancers and good people you can call on, aren't there? I, I think yeah. the thing
2: I was driving at really, Edan, is that you have to look at if you want to make money, then you've got to go and play with things with lots of zeros on the end of it because whatever you deal with, you get a small percentage of that as your profit. I'm just watching my dog sneak off. She's, she's. <laughs> Oh, there she she's goes. She's got a tracker
0: on. She hasn't got the... She hasn't got the yes. on, no. just, she's got... African
2: hunting dog. She's got... I'm just about to leave the premises, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Has anybody <laughs> she's noticed? Got, she's got a hunting slink on. Bless her. Um, you have to put yourself in the market where it is. I mean, the, the, the best um, analogy was always the guy with the sweet shop. He probably does a lot more sales than I do in a day but he makes an awful lot less money because yeah. his percentage is of penny sweets and my percentage is of hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of houses. And it's a mm. simple mathematical equation, but a lot of people forget it. And that's why growing native, One, it's capable of doing the big houses and the, the grand designs. Oh, I didn't want to say grand, grand designs, designs, did I? But that's right, the right bigger designs. So you've got to pitch in to that because actually that's where the money is yeah. as well.
1: You know? I mean, that is ideally what I want to get into because funny enough, um, people that do have more money are also less hassle mm, because they I typically know. trust you a lot more. Yeah. Um, I've dealt with small businesses that are so over your shoulder about everything and it's like you should trust me to produce something. and the thing is I've produced a video for a recent client and the first the, the draft video I sent to them as a uh, take a look what I've done. I believed it was perfect. It hit their brand, mm. hit what they wanted to achieve and they wanted something completely off brand what doesn't represent them like and I showed them I showed some people um, why I produced and the revised video that's something that's a bit more what they wanted (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) another Another dog's (laughs) arrived (laughs) and uh, people love my one I was like this is 100% what they should push out yeah and you know you can't argue with a client I I give them the best direction I said look trust me this is the best this is what I think here your target market a lot Mm. more i justify it i'd explain but sometimes they just want what they want yeah so you got to produce it
2: so given Uh, you given you won the lottery
1: tonight if i won the lottery tonight what's the first thing you'd buy uh, through the business no oh just in general the first thing i'd I'd buy a flat would you yeah I'd, i'd want to move out you didn't think house Nah, I don't like. just a property. I don't Ugh. like. I don't like two big places. I no. think I've got, a f- I've got a lot of friends. I've got f- quite a few friends that have large properties that I've stayed um. over. You know, as a young kid, and I'm just like, this is way too big. Mm. Like these houses. I like cozy little places. Like I have my that room. So you'd
2: have your flat. What, yeah. what would you buy, Kurt? First purchase. Mon- <laughs> Monday morning. 10 million oh, in the bank. It'd be a hell of a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You I wouldn't be I'd, awake, Monday, would yeah, you? <laughs> I, I might kill myself.
0: <laughs> no, I'd get. I'd have a fun weekend, get that out of the way. Right. But, uh, and
2: by a fun weekend, what do you mean exactly? <laughs> I'm not telling you. <laughs>
0: a stroll through the park. Yeah, fair enough. But, uh, yeah, no, I'd, yeah, I'd, I think I'd buy a property. It, yeah, it'd be very nice to have just have property paid off yeah. where, where, where you go. And then everything you do from then on, you go, shelter's taken care of. Mm. Everything I do is because it's what I want how to much,
2: do. How yeah. much money are you talking yeah. Like a million kind of, or 10 million? Well, I said dream. 10 million.
1: I'd, I'd buy multiple properties just for that passive income. Mm. I'd instantly go, right, if I wanted to go on holiday and not do anything for three months, I'm still paying everything off. Well, yeah. I'd be paid off, I'd just be making money. Yeah. Uh, and then with the rest, I'd be investing I'd yeah. still pursue. To be honest with you, I'd still pursue my career. Yeah. I think at this point, ten million is not a retirement kind of money.
2: It's interesting to hear your answers because, of course, I would probably buy a children's wing for the hospital. Yeah, of course. Is that
0: from but, what your position? How do you now? feel, guys? Yeah. But joking aside, <laughs> I would like to. I would
2: like to invest
0: in green, sort of green energy companies. Yeah. but ones yeah. that not for ones because I like the idea of. I think green energy companies. Treating it as a business, it has to be profitable, yeah. not a not a charity. Mm. Make it actually work mm. as good or better than... Yeah, actually than do offering, something, in yeah, other
2: words. <laughs> yeah, I think that is what I'd like to invest yeah. in. Yeah, interesting. Just Tra- travel more, Yeah, of course. Yeah, but you are very well-traveled anyway, of course, but... Yeah, I'd I'd,
0: I'd travel in between my green investments. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And then come back to And collecting your rents. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
2: the the bailiffs. Sounds like we've got a plan. You could drop in at the children's wing and see me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) What would you be doing in the children's wing?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, being very very good. What would you actually do with the money? What would I actually do? I I honestly would do something charitable. I would if I had that much excess money around me. I would definitely do something charitable. I think what you learn is as well with money that i've always sort of made enough to give myself a comfortable lifestyle and I, I live nicely i'm not mega wealthy or anything but the people that are mega wealthy that just brings a whole heap of other problems mm. with it quite often and the guys i do know that have got an awful lot of money don't always have the easiest existences within their families because their families are all looking at them as the as the golden goose all the time yeah and mm. it's you wonder why the the kids are hanging around sometimes and it's it can be it can, it can be, be a burden that's yeah, the point can't it it's tricky I mean there's, there's one family that we know very well that have had incredible problems they all hate each other all the kids fight literally fight and they're all backstabbing each other and they've tried to record each other doing yeah. saying illicit things to trip each other up so they can make more money than that one's making and oh my god if that family didn't have any money and all lived in a nice little comfortable terrace house and dad had a normal job they'd probably all be lovely yeah. yeah, but money spoiled a lot of them.
0: It's it's such a recurring theme, isn't it? How do you how do you fight against that?
1: I think just kind I'm of not. I'm not changing the subject a little bit, but I've my philosophy of like what my goal is in life is, is to, like you know how say I think we had this conversation uh, conversation before, on like how would you me- measure su- success? And it was really, if I could just if I want to go on holiday. I want to go on holiday. Mm. If I want to eat a steak, I want to eat a steak. Yeah. Now, whatever amount of money I can Auto- make. Autonomy. Is that it? Mm. Like, that's a word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, if you're
2: autonomous, you're completely in control of your own being. Yeah. yeah. Your own destiny. So I, I just think we want both that. share it's that goal. It's only you going back to that first So if
1: that's you're making 40 or 50 grand, then that's, I'm happy with that. Mm. Like I, you know, I do want to aim higher, but if that's the point that I can get to, mm. I love it. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Mm.
1: Interesting. <laughs> How long have we been recording? 50? 56 minutes. Cool. Four minutes. Just time
0: for a song then. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Right, seems about, about time to wrap up then, isn't it? Yeah, I
1: think that's good, good timing. Time. Really nice. Yeah,
0: I've enjoyed this chat. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Kirk. You're most welcome. And thank you, Eden. My pleasure. Mm, can I have a hug? <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Come oh. here, darling.
1: Oh. 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 Oh, yeah. it's gonna be big I'd like mine in the bedroom please I feel like I owe your dad one right, we'll uh, <laughs> do this off camera we'll sign out for this one <laughs>